Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Jackson from the Finding Human program. Today, uh, as I uh, have been since the beginning of COVID, I am on Skype again and I am on, uh, on my own. I don't have a fellow human with me. But I actually need to thank Craig, start off by thanking Craig for last week. He saved me. Last week, suddenly, just as I was coming to the end of my program, my Wi-Fi bombed out on me. And I could see myself freeze on the program. My guest, Sebo uh, Villakazi, thank goodness, saw me freeze, but remained on the program. And Craig kindly went on with my final YouTube and, and the song. So it was not all lost. So thank you so much, Craig. And, uh, and thank you, Vusi, the two of you for always keeping us on air. There's some, there's a sense of security in knowing that you are there, even though I can't see you. My topic today is the chapters we leave behind. Now, um, Melissa Taylor said, as you walk the pathway of your life, don't forget the chapters you leave behind. And that song that was playing on High FM just before I came on air about the memories and the memories that are part of us and the memories we leave behind, I do believe that memories are incredibly important because, first of all, some of the memories can stop us from making the same mistakes again. And others can actually help us to get through the next challenge of our lives. So memories are incredibly important and we don't actually leave the chapters behind. And why I chose this topic is because I heard two incredibly good YouTubes this, this week. And you'll hear some YouTubes that I've chosen for today. The YouTubes that I always choose are YouTubes that are meaningful to me. So I'm hoping that they will be meaningful to you too. Um, the, I'm not playing these today. They were too long. But if you get a chance, I would suggest that you look up the one, The Son of a Nazi. It's, uh, it's the most amazing uh, story about a physician. He was an officer in the IDF. And um, he's he's now living in in Miami, but his father was a decorated Nazi, and he talks about how he came to this realization that his hero, his father, that there was something that was unspoken that you never spoke about. So the memories were there certainly, but he was never allowed to tap into those memories. And how were the choices he made in his life to move in a different direction? Fascinating, really fascinating. Then the next YouTube that I listened to was by Rolf Mengele. Yes, the infamous, the dreadful, may he rot always, uh, Mengele's son. And how he came to meet his father and tried so hard to get his father to to actually see what he had done. So those were both of them had to live with these these memories, this this knowledge that this was in their background, and how um, the the son of an of a Nazi. Um, I'm just trying to think what his name was, Doctor Bernard. 
uh, Wolfschlager, I probably pronounced it wrongly, um, how he actually tried so hard to never talk about this, to pretend it wasn't there, until his son actually helped him unpack what was in his past. And by unpacking what was in his past, he began to be able to live more authentically and more at peace with himself. Now, as I said, I, I would um, suggest that you actually do look into those. Then the other thing that I was actually asked this week by, by somebody was there is apparently a conference on, a mental health conference on in, in South Africa at the moment. And I was asked if, if I would ever admit to, to having depression myself. And I said, certainly, why would it help? I don't believe in actually uh, reaching people with our wounds. And I was told that it would help because what I am showing is that you can live within your your circumstances, whatever they may be, and make the best of your life. And certainly the chapters of my life, when I have, I have a, a condition, a recurrent depression, condition, which comes and goes. But at the same time, these experiences have steered me along my chosen path. And while metaphorically speaking, there are times when I can cross a raging river and go, even feel the fear, but still go forward, there are other times when I can reach a stream, a smooth, so, a, a, a smooth flowing stream and not be able to cross it because of the fear crippling me or the depression. So what I'm saying is we need to understand that we are not our wounds. And I want to give you an example of this. Once I was on a trip to Durban, flying to Durban, and a woman was sitting next to me, and she saw that I was reading a book by Dr. K. Redfield Jamison uh, called Night Falls Fast. And she asked me what it was about, and I, and I said, you know, this woman has bipolar, this doctor, this um, psychiatrist, and she was, she talks about it, amazing books. Well, that was the worst thing I could have said, because the rest of the hour to Durban, I heard about this woman's own problems. And she never stopped talking for a moment. It was almost as though it was like this flood of of emotions that she was pouring out onto me. And um, I, I almost wish that I'd never taken this book out of my bag. But that's, we actually do not have the right to meet people with our wounds. Certainly, if we're in an environment where we are asked something, we can be honest about who we are, what our own journey has been, and especially if it's going to help someone else. But to actually meet someone for the first time and spill out everything that is negative in your life is is not helpful to anybody and not helpful to you either. Because I actually wondered how she felt afterwards when she um, actually got off the plane. She, she, you know, she said it was wonderful meeting you. She even had actually <laughs> the chutzpah, the cheek to say, and hearing your story. Well, my story, I never did say a word about my story. It was Kay Jamison's book story, but that was never discussed anyway. So I think we need to be careful who we share with. And Edith Eager said in her book, The Gift, she talks about the choices, the big and the small choices that can lead us from trauma to triumph, from darkness to light, 
from imprisonment to freedom. Now, let me just say that again. The choices we make, big and small, from trauma to triumph, darkness to light, imprisonment to freedom. That sounds quite easy, doesn't it? And of course it's not. When you're in darkness, to try to reach for that light is almost impossible. But you have to hold on to it. This is 101.9 and you're listening to Sue Jackson. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program, and you're about to hear um, a, a, a short YouTube by Viktor Frankl called Man Alive. I might add that this was recorded in 1977 and is still totally relevant today. Thank you, Craig. We're going to meet Viktor Frankl, the internationally famous psychiatrist, writer, and lecturer. He deals with the most common ailment of our time, meaninglessness. The survivor of four concentration camps, Viktor Frankl speaks from a profound understanding of man. He says life does have meaning in any and all circumstances. We can learn from Auschwitz, he says. From the Holocaust comes a message of hope. The lesson one could learn in Auschwitz and in other concentration camps in the final analysis was those who were oriented toward a meaning, toward a meaning to be fulfilled by them in the future, were most likely to survive. And this has been confirmed afterwards by American Navy and Army psychiatrists in Japanese prison of war camps, in uh, North Korean prison of war camps, recently in uh, 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 North Vietnamese prison of war camps. The orientation toward a future, toward a task, a personal task, waiting for them to be fulfilled in their future, or another person whom they were loving, to be met again, to be reunited with them again in the future. This was what was decisively upholding these people. So this, the orientation beyond oneself, the, you see, the question was not just survival, but there had to be a why of survival. The question was survival for what? unless there was something or someone, a person or a cause, to, for whose sake to survive, there was survival scarcely possible. Most of us have never been in the concentration camp experience. We've never had to go through that horror and tragedy. And so one would think that today it would be easier to find meaning in life. And yet I sense that it's more difficult in a sense today than it was in years past. Do you, do you think that? You're absolutely right. Well, why is because that? we are living in a society, either in terms of an affluent society or in terms of a welfare state, these types of societies virtually, or at least they are out virtually to satisfy and gratify each and every human need. Consumer societies, even creating needs, but the need for meaning, or as I'm used to referring to it, the will to meaning remains unfulfilled. 
It's what I'm used to is, uh, uh, calling uh, recently the unheard cry for meaning. You scarcely will find any reference to what is the most fundamental and basic concern of man. Neither pleasure nor happiness, nor power or prestige, but originally and basically his wish, his desire to find and fulfill a meaning in his life or for that matter in each single life situation confronting him. And if there is a meaning to fulfill, if he is aware, if, if he becomes cognizant of such a meaning, then he is ready to suffer, he is ready to offer sacrifices, he is ready to undergo tension, stress and so forth without any harm being done to his, to his uh, health. But if there is no meaning available, no meaning in, uh, in, uh, in his visual field, then he takes his life. The meaning can be found everywhere in the smallest hut. On the other hand, you find people who are millionaires and milliardaires and, and uh, billionaires, and they have no meaning. They kill themselves. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with you again. And that was Viktor Frankl, and that was in 1977. And he talks about the orientation towards the future, the world to meaning. I think that what, what COVID has done to so many of us is actually make, make us question. Is there going to be a future? What is the future going to be like? How can we live within this future? And of course, then, then you, you have all the arguments about the, the vaxxers, the anti-vaxxers, and it's causing a lot of polarization and anger. But I think we have to understand that as Viktor Frankl said, we have this me, this will to meaning. He calls it, he said, the unheard cry to meaning. So how do we find this uh, this actual meaning in our lives? Sometimes it is in the very small little things. Let me tell you something that happened to me yesterday, which which was really rather amazing. My daughter and I were, were going um, to a Sheba house, um, a, a house of mourning, and as we were downstairs uh, at the garage and I'd opened my phone, my, my case, my, my cell phone case, all of a sudden a butterfly landed exactly on my cell phone. So I said to my daughter, good heavens, look at this, a, a butterfly on my cell phone. Now, I, and I didn't sort of go into the symbolic um, reason that it's a butterfly and what have you. That it was just quite honestly, it was the most beautiful thing to see. So I took a little branch and I uh, and I put this the took the butterfly very gently off my phone. We thought perhaps it had uh, hurt its wings, and I put it next to into the the bushes near me. And all of a sudden, it opened its wings. It was the most beautiful color, orange, red, and black. Really beautiful. And this was this was for for both of us. My daughter Shira and I was an aha moment. It was 
a, a place as to something of beauty, of nature, of connection. And funny enough, we think this uh, this word aha is a, is a recent word, but it's actually not. It came from a, a psychologist, and a, I think he was a phenomenologist or whatever, called Carl Buller, and it was over a hundred years ago. And while um, actually it's now become like a cliche and a lot of uh, popular radio talk show hosts talk about the aha moment, but he meant it as a peculiar sort of pleasure-oriented experience uh, which can, can suddenly pop up into out of context. And that was exactly what this, this butterfly was. But that's what we have to be aware of in our lives, these yes-to-life moments. They do come, and sometimes they come very fleetingly. It can be, we were sitting outside the other night, and my one granddaughter suddenly shouted, oh, she saw a falling star. Now, that was also a moment of yes to life, an aha moment, a beautiful moment. What about when the rain falls, the smell of rain? Or, on the other hand, someone was saying to me the other day that what got her through her week of shiver was the fact of different people coming and going that she hadn't expected to see, but she was able to share memories of her loved one with them. And and those were the, the yes moments in a time of great darkness. And those do come and go. And, um, you know, Carl, I don't know how many... Uh, of, of you know, and I'm sure many of you probably do, is Dr. Gabor Mate. He's one of my favorite, favorite YouTubers. And I listen to him. And I'm, by the way, I get through my cooking, which I, I absolutely loathe doing. I might add that I never ever saw my mother cook or my grandmother cook. So obviously it's intergenerational and I, and I just haven't changed it. And I'm not about to thank goodness for kosher. Um, shops that I can order from, but um, he talks about uh, Karl Marx and how Karl Marx spoke in the 19th century about alienation, which was the separation, the the alien to something, um, being a stranger to something, and he talked about how how culture, our culture today, is often a toxic culture, and it makes us feel lost because it's so connected to materialistic things that we forget the other, the what we should be connecting with. And he talks about four different things to connect with: to nature. And he said, at the moment, it's something we're really needing to look at especially with global warning, warming and how we are actually destroying nature around us. So he says it's, it's imperative that we begin to once again connect with nature, connect with other people. And um, he talks about how connecting with people is just so in, incredibly um, connecting to ourselves, it actually brings us into a different space. It it um, it makes us feel that we're not alone in the world, which is very very important, and we're not alienated from others. Then he talks about work, 
and uh, and how we need to find meaning in our work. Without this meaning, um, it can lead to illnesses, to to mental illnesses, physical illnesses. If we're going to work every day and we're hating every single minute of it, we are alienating ourselves from what could be or should be a, a, a happier experience. And then he talks about alienation from ourselves. And uh, I think this is one of the greatest alienations, funny enough. Um, it's how, when did we stop listening to our own self-intuition, our intuition? When did we stop hearing the messages that the universe gives us? Sometimes it's a tap on the shoulder. Sometimes it's a clap, a rail hit across the head to say, listen, and we still ignore it and we go on. And he was saying that alienation from ourselves is something that we have to reconnect with. He talks about a baby, and this I can talk about really very easily, having lived with a baby since the beginning of birth in the last uh, few months, uh, absolute gift. Um, of time and uh, exhausting gift of time, but a true gift, um, and how a baby is connected to their gut feelings, and that's their themselves. He says, have you ever met an infant who can't express what their gut is feeling? And <laughs> I love that because certainly, let's face it, if a baby is hungry, they'll let you know. If they're tired, they'll let you know. If they are angry, they'll let you know. You have to learn to interpret their different cries because sometimes they're, they, they sound very similar. But I think as, uh, as mothers, you do begin to interpret what the child is trying to tell you. But when did we ourselves stop actually interpreting our own connections, our own, the, the intuition that we ourselves were getting? When did we come disconnected and shut down these gut feelings? Because we need to understand that these warn us often about what is right and what is wrong, what is safe, what's dangerous, what is true, what is false. How often do we actually walk into an area, perhaps a, a restaurant and we can pick up an energy at the table next to us. It just doesn't feel right. And yet we sit down still. And as we sit down, different things start going wrong. Um, it can be the slightest thing. You might order a chocolate milkshake and instead a coffee milkshake would arrive. But it's something enough to actually irritate you. Not, not to irritate you to the extent that you are really fed, fed up. But it's there to irritate you, and yet you overreact to it because you're not listening to the intuition that is saying, this is actually not a good environment to be in. I'm picking up other energies here. So let me rather go elsewhere and have a, or, or move to another table far away from this table that I'm picking up this negative energy from. Let me move. Let me go to another table where I can enjoy a proper chocolate milkshake. Sometimes we also need to understand that the people we're meeting are also bringing in that energy. 
as negative energy. And we are so often we are open to it because we haven't protected ourselves. And as as Gabor Matei said, when did we forget? to actually protect ourselves, that these intuitive feelings are actually there to show us what is right, what is wrong, what feels dangerous, what feels false. Now, we can regain this, certainly. We can actually bring back our own intuition, really listen. And sometimes it is in the silence of night that our intuitive thoughts come in and we push them down. We say, we don't want to think about them. And yet that is the time when we can, we can actually learn to listen to them and to bring them into our lives so that it becomes a positive, positive experience again. Now, the human need he also talks about for authenticity this I've heard again and again from so many people who say they're not very authentic. You don't know who they are. And when I listened to the son of a Nazi, um, he was so authentic and he thought he was living this authentic life. And he was, but he was living the life that he he had decided to create for himself, which was the life as an officer in an IDF, as a Jew. Um, but he, he was actually was trying to suppress too much of his past and not bring it forward into the light where it could be healed. And certainly while he couldn't heal his father, he could heal himself. And he began to talk. And to, to share his story at his at his son's school in Miami, his son was very excited about this. He said he was at a Jewish day school. He said, "Dad, this is a story that has to be told. My you know my my pupil, my, my friends would like to hear the story." And at first, he couldn't believe his son was saying that. And it was once he started sharing his story that he actually began to. Own his own story, the ghosts of it, the trauma of it, and all. And he became far more whole. So once again, if you get a chance, try listening to that. It's really worth it. Now, COVID has taught us many things. And in some ways, it's taught us about alienation. It's taught us about actually separating ourselves from the reality of what's going on around us, and that's a protective method. And we, we are connecting through Zoom so often with people. Now in South Africa, we are, fortunately, we are in a lull at the moment, and a lot of us are making the most of it, trying to see a few people, do some things that are, are, are fun, and actually get out a bit more. And... Um, and, and it's good. I mean, I've seen people riding their bicycles, people on, on the fields playing uh, with children, with their children, others sitting having coffee. And I notice that a lot are still wearing masks, I must admit I am. And I say, good for you. Get on with life, but at the same time, take as many precautions as you can against COVID. And that is the sanitizing and everything. This is 101.9 High FM. This is Sue Jackson. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. 
only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and we're about to listen to another ad, uh, um, YouTube by Robin Sharma, who wrote The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. If you haven't read it, I would recommend, highly recommend it, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And this YouTube is called Simple Philosophical Principles to Magnify Your Impact. Hi, it's Robin Sharma. It's pretty early in the morning. I'm waiting for my trainer, and I just wanted to pull out my camera and record this video for you. You know, so much of your outer performance and your external productivity and the impact you have in the world, whether through it's your humanity or the way you run your business or the way you work your craft, comes down to what's going on inside. In other words, if you're full of ego, if you're full of insecurity, if you're full of worry, if you're full of fear, you're never going to play at world class and do your best work and handcraft the life that you want. And there are three things in particular that have helped me well, and I want to share those three simple ideas with you in this quick video. Number one is letting go. I think one of the greatest of all spiritual pursuits is learning how to let go, learning how to let go of people who hurt you, learning how to let go of events that have disappointed you. It is not until you really get good at letting go that you can advance into your bullish and brighter future. And how do you let go? Well, you can journal about it. You can make a conscious intention to just let go. Or maybe you let go by philosophical understanding, understanding that the people who might have hurt you were doing the best that they could do based on where they are at in their evolution. And that people who are hurting hurt other people. Or maybe you can let go by prayer or auto-suggestion or meditation or visualization. So the first philosophical point is let go, which brings us to the second point, which is move on. It's about a simple understanding that every day is a gorgeous opportunity to recreate yourself into the person you want to be. Moving on is about embracing the present. It's about looking for opportunities where you are. It's about finding grace and simple pleasures of this day. Moving on is about constantly viewing prop what other people see as problems as possibilities and chances to promote your growth. So moving on is about embracing the present moment. And then the third philosophical point is don't wait. I know this sounds simple, but it's so powerful. So many people say, yes, when this happens, I will do this. When I have more time, I'll write the book. When I make more money, I'll invest in my growth. When I get the promotion, I'll take the travel. No one knows what tomorrow brings. No one knows what tomorrow brings. No one knows what tomorrow brings. Keep on asking yourself, if I don't do this now, how will I feel later? So don't wait. I'm not saying be foolish. You want to definitely not make ill-considered choices, and at the same time, do not wait. So I hope these three ideas help you increase your creativity, productivity, performance, and impact. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. 
Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back again with you. It's good to be back. It's uh, I always enjoy my time with you all. Um, what Robin uh, Sharma was talking about is so important, especially in this time of COVID. I think COVID has, and the many unexpected deaths that have occurred, has surely taught us that tomorrow or next week, next month, next year, is is not a certainty. So, yes, we need to say yes to life now. And he said, he talks about uh, the different ways of actually living in this moment. And it is in um, letting go of the people who have hurt us, the events that have affected us. And when I think of COVID and I think of the first, when we first went into COVID and the first lockdown, there was so much fear around it. And so many people lost their, their workplaces. They, they, they had to let people go. Uh, businesses closed. It, it, there was a lot, a lot of loss. And he's saying, let go of the events that, if you can, that have hurt you. And the people that have hurt you. Now, those events obviously have impacted unbelievably on our country, on our people, and on us. And on, on so many of those events of COVID in the last, since we first went into our first lockdown. But are we going to totally hold on to that and think, well, that's what we are in now, when right now we are in a lull? And we have to make the most of it. And as he said, we can journal about what what we felt about it. Can we can meditate about it? A lot of people, you know, he says philosophical understanding. Well, you know, a lot of people who who believe very strongly that this is a part of our our life's path are able to uh, philosophize about it. But don't feel bad if you can't philosophize about it because sometimes it's so confusing that there is no answer. You know, um, Rabbi Afton spoke at a particular, at a funeral and he said, we can, we can ask uh, Hashem, God, you know, what is this about? What is this about? But, um, we, it's, it's actually a waste of time because we're not going to get a clear answer. So not in this lifetime. And, you know, to keep asking is, is also, um, it, it's, it defeats the purpose because we're not going to get uh, an answer. And yet at the same time, we can be angry with God. We, we were allowed to be angry with the circumstances that have hurt us, that have caused us pain and then work through them not to hold on to them he also says move on so that's what i'm saying and look at every day as an opportunity he says the grace in the simple pleasures of this day i love that the grace of the simple pleasures of this day i mean if i think about that butterfly yesterday that was a simple pleasure it was so lovely and then he says embrace the the the, the present moment. Don't wait. More time until there's more time, more money. And I've said this before. So many people say, when I've retired, although I must admit since COVID, I haven't heard this much. Um, but before then, people would be saying, when I've retired, I'm going to do this. I, I, I definitely will do the, the next thing. And what happens? 
they actually don't get to see much of their retirement often. I know I myself am a procrastinator. And the other day I sort of looked at my age and I thought, oh, my word, get on with it. Don't wait. Um, there is a, a, a saying, uh, 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 I think it might be Khalil Gibran. I'm not sure. Um if anyone is listening in and knows this answer, it's, it's called "If Tomorrow Never Comes," and it is a it is about if tomorrow never comes, then what have I wasted by actually wait? What, what what are we waiting for? Now we need to, of course, own our own story, and our own story is who we are. It's unique to us. So if anyone is trying to tell you what the meaning of your life is. Or tell me what the meaning of my life is. I'd, I reject it. I'm sorry. If it's a friend and they're telling me, you know, just uh, this could be the meaning of your life, then if it comes from a good place, I'm prepared to listen to it. But otherwise, I think I myself must find my meaning. It's unique to me and to each of us. This is 101.9 High FM. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, I told you I had a lot of uh, YouTubes to to play. Uh, this is the last one of this program, and it's Rabbi Tversky, who I absolutely adore, and may he rest in peace. Um, and it's on happiness. I believe that happiness is self-fulfillment. I believe that if a person neglects fulfilling any capacity and trait that he has, there's an inherent feeling of unhappiness. If a person is uh, gifted artistically and doesn't express it, if he is gifted musically and doesn't express it, he's neglecting part of himself and is not fulfilling oneself. And if we realize, if we took the effort to realize what we really are, the strength and the capacity that we have, the wonderful traits that we have, and develop them to the fullest, then we will be happy. And it's not going to depend on how much money we got, on what kind of automobile we got, or how many luxury homes we have. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with you. My program is going very quickly, and I'm being told to wrap up. This has just come through to me. It says, never be a prisoner of your past. It was just a lesson, not a life sentence. Thank you. I love that. And I think what we need to understand as well is that we cannot be separated from our mind and our body. Uh, we, it's, we, we need to realize that we are part of both. We need to integrate them. And the Buddha talks about the interdependent core rising phenomena. And this was 25 years ago. He talked about the interconnection of everything, that the one contains the all. He talks about the raindrop, which contains the sky, the earth, the sun, the water. And I love that because I think that's the interconnection that we need to remember. And that's who we are. I will be back with you next week. Just want to end with this. The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Khalil Gibran. Thank you so much for listening and being with me. I'll connect with you again next Tuesday. Thank you, Craig. And thank you, Vussie.